0: Upworthy Weekly, delivering the best of humanity every Saturday. Here's your hosts, Allison Rosen and Todd Perry. Hello, everybody. It's uh, Upworthy Weekly, and I'm Todd Perry, who is a staff writer here at Upworthy. And uh, with me is the wonderful Allison Rosen. She's the host of the super super popular podcast, Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend, and Childish, starring comedian Greg Fitzsimmons. You've also heard her on The Adam Carolla Show, which she co-hosted for four years, and seen her on Comedy Central's At Midnight. Am I missing anything?
1: No. I mean, I don't know if I'd say starring Greg Fitzsimmons. I feel like it kind of stars Greg Fitzsimmons and me equally. Okay, but I'm delighted me, to be here
0: regardless. Just make my my, my notes here. I have to get, oh, Okay. I have to get these through legal. So um <laughs> and on the show today, it's our first show ever. Uh, what we're gonna do is, and from this week going on, we're gonna be reviewing some of Upworthy's most popular and engaging stories.
1: Well, I just have to say I am delighted to be recording our very first episode. And here it is. Okay, so Todd, the holiday season is upon us, which means Christmas songs are right around the corner. Uh, A certain bar in Texas has strong feelings about a specific, uber-popular Mariah Carey Christmas song. This is a story from Thursday, November 4th by Heather Wake, and the headline is, Mariah Carey inspired a Twitter rally after a Texas bar banned her Christmas song. So at this bar in Texas, someone taped a piece of paper next to the jukebox that says, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas. Christmas is You will be skipped if played before December 1st. After December 1st, the song is only allowed one time a night. So people who had worked in retail had kind of a shared trauma response. Uh, On Twitter, someone said, if you haven't worked retail, then let me explain. The song plays 50 times a day on the store radio from November 1st, maybe earlier, to December 25th. It's hell. And then another man wrote, I need to print this out for my wife, which received the prompt response of how about you let your wife enjoy things she likes before she decides you aren't one of those things it's very sassy Mm. uh and then one twitter user said is this the war on christmas i've heard about and at this point mariah carey herself queen mariah carey weighed in she posted a photo of herself. It's all on Twitter from twenty from a 2015 ad for the video game Game of War. And in this ad, she's decked out in battle armor and holding a sword. You know, as if to say she's ready. She's a Christmas warrior. <laughs> then she posted a video of three pumpkins and the pumpkins say, it's not time. Each pumpkin, one says it's, one says not, one says time. And then she enters with a giant candy cane and she smashes the one that says not <laughs> Uh, and you might be thinking is she promoting something and if you were thinking that yes she's promoting her new Apple special Apple TV special Mariah's Christmas the magic continues. Oh.
0: I you know I like that she's really leaning into the uh Queen of Christmas thing. You know cuz yes. I don't I don't think she chose that like she made a Christmas album many years ago and um it just kind of snowballed from there like you know like all I want for Christmas with you for, is you was a big kind of a big it was a big hit then and but now it's like the Christmas song you know it's up there with I don't know jingle bells you know and but
1: but but for whom I I have to add clearly not the uh, proprietors of this bar in Texas clearly not the guy who's married to the woman who he, he's You know, willing to jeopardize his relationship by giving her a printout of this thing. I personally, and I love Christmas music. I Uh. love it. Like Halloween is behind us. I'm ready to get the Christmas decorations up and to hear the Christmas music. Even I, a true devotee of Christmas songs. And I'm sorry, Mariah Carey, if you are listening, and I hope you are, don't take this the wrong way.
0: I don't love that song. I don't love it. (laughs) <laughs> i actually here's the thing i dislike christmas music with the flaming passion of 10 white hot sons because i used to work retail but if as far as christmas songs goes that's one of my favorite but see i i used to sell refrigerators i used to sell it, i'm it's- sorry i need a moment to digest
1: this you oh you hate christmas music but you love that song you're you got it all backwards my friend. Of of the worst that's the
0: best. It it has that wonderful bouncy Darlene Love kind of 60s vibe. But then also it's like really musically written kind of strangely. Like it goes way out of like key changes and uh, like musicologists freak out about this song cuz it shouldn't work on any way. It's like, you know, some kind of genetic mutant animal that shouldn't stand, but somehow it works. But
1: to me it's barely standing. It's just <laughs> It's like, oh, how sad. Its face is too smushed and its hips are too, I don't know. I don't know what Frankenstein animal I'm coming up with. I'm just saying once more, I don't love the song. I love Christmas music and you're wrong. So did you ever,
0: did you ever work
1: retail in your life? I did in a pre Mariah Carey Christmas song world. Mm. I worked at a music store called Sam Goody, which was uh, we sold cassettes. We sold CDs. We sold tape head cleaners. There was a machine there. I don't know if you remember machines like this, where you could make a mixtape. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, It was kind of like a jukebox, and then it printed out a mixtape. It was pretty fun. Yeah, so I worked at Sam Goody during the holiday season, and I was a greeter, which meant when people came in, I'd say, Hi, welcome to Sam Goody. Hi, welcome to Sam Goody. And then on their way out, I'd say, Bye, thank you for shopping at. But I never got it all the way out, because they were already out the door by then. And
0: just not paying attention to you? Just?
1: (sighs) No. Maybe that's why I have to talk into a microphone
0: now. (laughs) See, I would... Work at Sears in Torrance, California uh, when I was in college as a refrigerator salesman, which at this point sounds like, you know, I was a milkman in 1940. like Seems like the oldest job ever. And so I would sit on the sales floor and nobody bought refrigerators during Christmas. So it was like horrifying because we worked on commission and you just hear (laughs) Christmas music go on and on all day. And they make you work till 11 o'clock at night and you just sit there miserably listening to the same 25 Christmas songs cycled over and over. So I, when I hear Christmas music, I don't really think of Christmas. I, I need to be desensitized to it in some way maybe uh take a couple years off of Christmas I actually wrote a very unpopular piece in Upworthy a couple years ago called I love Christmas but we should do it every other year um
1: (laughs) oh my god I I that's that's hilarious I, the tableau that you've painted is very depressing. I mean, like, you should be played by Bill Murray at the beginning of a movie. Like, that is, I can see where that is a real bummer. So, yeah, I think you're right. You need to be listening to Christmas music while playing in, like, a pit of puppies or something. <laughs> and then you can start having a different association with it.
0: Now we move to a story that uh, came out uh, Friday. And that's... Uh, written by actually me, and that's, God, in quotation marks, Ask people who should be sainted next. Here are the top 20 most popular responses. A satirical Facebook page for God, a.k.a. called uh, The Good God Above, has nearly 4 million followers, and he asked them an important question on November 1st. I have not canonized any new saints in a while. Any suggestions? So basically, uh, I went through and I, I looked at all the comments and I found a top 20 people thought should be canonized. Like great people living right. amongst us or people who are recently deceased that should be up there with, you know, St. Boniface, you know, St. Christopher, uh, St. Etienne. The most popular comments on there, I whacked into the top 20 people. So, Allison, let's see how well you know Facebook audiences.
1: So these are not my own votes for canonization. This is me guessing what other who other people think. Okay, right. Billie Eilish.
0: No, no, didn't make the top twenty. Really? No.
1: Phoebe Bridgers. Eh.
0: No. Beyonce. Good one, but no. Fauci. Jim. Uh. Yeah, Doctor Fauci. Anthony. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he came in in the top twenty, not the top ten, but the top twenty. I think he was number thirteen.
1: Uh, Guy Fieri.
0: Ooh, good guess, but no, because he's a good man. Really? He's one of those guys that does like awesome, great charity stuff. Yeah,
1: and then, I know
0: Kristen Stewart was on Howard Stern the other day, and she was saying that she might want him to officiate her wedding.
1: Oh, that's fun.
0: Yeah, that's fun, and I'm sure you, maybe maybe cater it too. You know. And uh, also, yeah. big Raider fan, so he's he's cool with me. Yeah. Right, anybody else you she think... Can... Oh,
1: She can get married in Flavortown.
0: Okay. Um, <laughs> Is that what it says on the wedding take... certificate? <laughs>
1: right. It's just kind of like my... Ceremony will take place at uh, 1,400 hours in Flavortown. Okay. So, I am... I need... Just like I needed a moment to digest the fact that you're all wrong about Christmas music, top to bottom... I need to take another moment to accept that I do not have my finger on the pulse of Facebook, it seems, because I assumed it was going to be a popularity contest, which is why I started with, you know, Beyonce, Billie Eilish, etc. And yet I am just like, I feel like I'm missing some really obvious choices for canonization. All right. uh, Kamala Harris?
0: No, no. Biden? No, People are
1: not going political, are they? Am I missing actors? What am I missing? Oh, Anthony Bourdain.
0: Oh, good one. But no, 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 Anthony Bourdain. Gosh. I, uh, what am I
1: missing? I, I'm missing a whole swath of
0: culture right now. I think you're not thinking about people who have also contributed a lot to society in terms of like doing good things. Maybe you got it right with Guy Fieri, but um, kind of, you know, do-gooders, you know? very upworthy type people. All right, I'm going to I'm going to rifle off. <laughs> I'm going to go for the top 10 and I think for everyone you're going to slap yourself in the forehead or oh god, jeez. Okay, I'll get my I'll get my slappers ready. And the interesting thing is these are all people that I feel are may not be the top 10 most popular people in the world, but they're people that everybody loves. I'll say that.
1: Okay. Um, okay. Good. So number
0: 10, Robin Williams.
1: Oh, of course. Slap.
0: Number nine, Bob Ross, the painter.
1: Oh, interesting. I would not have thought of him, but sure.
0: But he's like more popular now than he was when he was on TV. Right. You know, I think he's just like a meme versus anybody actually knowing what he does.
1: Yes. Uh, Martin Short. What about Martin Short?
0: Oh, that That's actually a really good one, but no, sorry, okay, and his last that right. last show he did is great with Steve martin um
1: I love that, yeah,
0: uh Elon Musk is number eight
1: mm, yes, I did completely forget about him,
0: and it's kind of like I think some people don't like him, obviously for decent reasons, but it's also like you popularized and made the electric car cool, and now you're gonna save the world with people driving Teslas, which means somebody's going e- right. to email me and go, actually, it takes more energy to produce a Tesla, and I'm going to get that email, mm-hmm. but um, up, up, yeah. upworthyweekly at upworthy.com. Uh- <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think an issue people have, and when I say people, I mean specifically my husband, <laughs> is that Elon Musk is trying to uh, get us to you know go to Mars when it, wouldn't it just be easier to save the Earth? But then to your point, he's potentially doing that with the electric car.
0: Yeah, he's kind of doing both, right? Is he? (laughs) (laughs) Next is a great one. George Carlin.
1: Oh, yes, that's good. And
0: you know, the, sure. these are all people that like kind of trend online, right? Because, like, interesting mm-hmm. about Carlin is like, no one's sharing like the hippy dippy weatherman that he did in the 60s or like even like the seven dirty words you can't say on television, like that famous bit. It's all his like super angry but awesome rants he did, like as a really old guy. You know, they're not right. even funny, they're just kind of poignant you know? Yes. And I always would, I've rewatched those specials so many times because unfortunately, since they were made 15 years ago, society hasn't changed enough so that they're still relevant, you know? <laughs>
1: right. We haven't moved past any of them. I still always think of him when I uh, drive by a golf
0: course. Next, Mr. Rogers.
1: Oh, that one, I am slapping myself that I didn't think of. Next. I agree that he should be sainted.
0: Next one is one guy that whenever I see him interviewed or hear anything about his life or do stories on, I always think like, man, I'm a terrible person. It's a Jimmy Carter. Yes. I, yes. I, I wrote a piece, a tongue in cheek piece for Upworthy in like 2018, endorsing him for president um, because he was still eligible to run as a you know one termer. Uh, next I got, uh, another person. That's just, I don't get, maybe it's just when I was born I don't really know much that much about him, but, uh, Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know too much about him either, but I'm not going to stand in the way of his being canonized. Oh wait, I have one. What about Jim Henson?
0: Is that on there? Ooh, should be. I think that was brought up in the conversation, but he didn't make the, the top 20.
1: He didn't make the top 20, but Mr. Rogers did. Yeah. I cry foul well
0: because I think Jim Henson was kind of behind the scenes more right like you didn't you didn't see his face yeah. okay top okay. top three top three Here face we slappers go. we got a Dolly Parton <laughs> oh
1: duh yeah big big old slap there
0: number two uh, Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont
1: mmm this makes sense
0: champion of the working man and number one <laughs> Keanu Reeves what? Keanu Reeves. I mean, you've seen um, all the anecdotes about Keanu Reeves that go on all the time on Twitter or on Facebook. People will always share, Keanu Reeves did this. Or we've done stories on Upworthy about how when Keanu Reeves poses with a woman, he doesn't touch her. So, mm-hmm. so he does like the hands out. Um, he invites randos to eat lunch with him when he's out. Like, he's just always doing nice, awesome things and seems like a real gentle, down to earth fella.
1: Yeah, although doesn't that, I mean, and, and how it's wonderful, I'm glad that he will now be a saint, but that, doesn't that point to how low the bar is? Like, this man didn't touch me while taking a photo. <laughs> I got to have lunch with this person that we're like, sainthood.
0: I, I, I get you. Yeah, it, it shows that the bar is low for celebrities, right? <laughs> that people right. just assume yeah. that they're going to be entitled a-holes. Um, yeah. But also he gives like tens of millions of dollars to like children's cancer. And there's there's footage of him like walking around instead of getting new shoes, like just duct taping his old shoes. And it's like, yeah, like you that. can you got that John Wick money, you know, you can <laughs> afford it. Right. So
1: uh, there's an interesting story on Thursday about body neutrality versus body positivity and how they differ in the way they're used to combat body negativity. And the headline is "Body Positivity Versus Body Neutrality: One Is a Weapon, the Other a Shield." And it's by Annie Renault. Um, so I know I just hit you with a lot of terms. Let me explain. Body negativity is the external and often internalized messages that we get about from society from magazines from culture from etc about how our bodies aren't right too fat too thin too tall too short too flabby not tan enough you know too tan etc uh, no matter what what your body is you should always be striving to to be some other way that's body negativity Body positivity is a reaction to it. So it's just the opposite. It's embracing all the perceived flaws. So like, oh yeah, I love my curves. I love my cellulite. I love that I can get into the car in the bright sunlight and look in the mirror and notice that like somehow I have allowed my mustache to grow in full and luxurious. (laughs) That's just a hypothetical. Right. I mean, it's been under a mask for months. Right. That's just a hypothetical. Um, Body neutrality says, the body neutrality movement says, let's not even engage in the value judgment at all. Your body is neither good nor bad. It's not ugly. It's not gorgeous. It just is. Uh, Instead of asking how our body looks and going with a negative or positive judgment as the answer, we ask different questions to determine if anything needs to be adjusted. How does my body feel? Does it function well? Is it fulfilling its purpose, enabling me to move around, enjoy things, and be of service in this world? The website Very Well Mind offers this description of it. Body neutrality means taking a neutral perspective towards your body, meaning that you do not have to cultivate a love for your body or feel that you have to love your body every day you may not always love your body but you may still live happily and appreciate everything your body can do Um, and this has uh, been on people's minds because Jonah Hill recently spoke to this issue Uh, he asked people to stop commenting on his weight loss either negatively or positively he tweeted, I know you mean well, but I kindly ask that you not comment on my body. Good or bad, I want to politely let you know it's not helpful and doesn't feel good. Much respect.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, a great point that he made because I think sometimes if if someone comes up, up to you and goes, oh, wow, Allison, you look great. And then you think, did I not look good before or exactly or someone yeah. says oh you lost weight and you're like oh was I was I too heavy do you
1: think I needed to yeah did what what were you noticing before
0: yeah and so it ends up right. becoming like a, a, a microaggression at, at that point yes so it's just like yeah. and you know a compliment sadly people mean well but you know, and then you hear about that all the time. I'm sure Jonah Hill always hears because he's lost a lot of weight, you know, about that. And at a certain point, that's almost, you know, like death by a thousand paper cuts.
1: Right. And I think the idea is body positivity. So, where you, where this radical rejection of the negative message and instead you say, I love this about myself, you judge it, but you judge it positively, that keeps you engaged in constantly judging your body. Right. So what if we, and it's kind of, it really is a, a novel idea. One that I myself, I'm, I'm thinking, what if I could live that way? You know, what if I could actually do that? Because I'm very much a product of this society and yeah. I have all sorts of body issues and judgments about my body and things. And, and the idea that you could just cast that off and say, I just exist in this body. It is here to do all the things that a body does. I'm thankful that I'm healthy that is, is very liberating. I don't, I I do have a a story that it's one of those stories that I heard that I think my, that my friend who told it to me would be surprised to know how many times it pops into my head. Uh, and this illustrates body positivity. So she was babysitting an eight year old girl and this eight year old girl was a very, she was like a tiny mean girl. So (laughs) the girl, uh, hugged my hugged my friend who's babysitting her and said your back is squishy, and then Ooh. my friend who wanted to illustrate body positivity to her said, "I know, I love my squishy back." Oh, <laughs> and then the girl said it wasn't a compliment. <laughs> no, no, sorry my my friend said, "Thank you, I love my squishy back," and the girl said it wasn't a compliment, and
0: I think about that
1: all oh. all the time the way she was being bullied by an
0: 8 year old she's going to be a oh, joy man. in high school
1: i know she is going to she's she's already ready for high school with that kind of mean girl attitude
0: i you know i had a similar thing happen uh, i was at a like a bar it was right before covid i was like at a backyard barbecue thing at my friend's house and i'm sitting there and you know i have lost a certain amount of hair in my life and i'm sitting there with my wife and this like Six-year-old boy walks up to me, just apropos of nothing, and says, "What happened to your hair?" <laughs> so I took a break and I said, "God took it." And then I just stared at what him. Was resp- <laughs> gra- what was his response? Then I think he. What was his response? I think he grabbed his his mother's leg. <laughs> Twenty-five people share the weirdest celebrity meetings they've ever had, and this was from our sister site, Scoop. American author, comic book writer, screenwriter, and blogger, Chuck Wendig, went viral on social media for giving his nightly question, What's the weirdest celebrity encounter you've ever had? And um, there's a couple here. Uh, One came after, uh, obviously, the man who needs to be canonized most in America, Keanu Reeves. And Mm. one person on Twitter said, Keanu Reeves and I sat across from each other in an otherwise empty train station for about an hour before our train finally arrived. We said nothing the whole time. As we both got on the train, he said, nice chatting with you. (laughs) I love that. Another guy was in an airport and he turned around to see Bill Murray directly behind him on the escalator at the Charlotte airport talk about people should be canonized from the early conversation bill murray top three um yeah he had a 10 minute conversation with him and then he saw him again the next day in downtown charlotte and he yelled his first name and said you made it (laughs) i love that okay is my bill murray or my keanu reeves better in terms of an impersonation
1: can i uh can i hear both of them again please
0: Nice chatting with you. It's Keanu. That's pretty
1: good. Yeah. Okay. You
0: made it. It's Bill Murray.
1: Oh, I, man, they're neck and neck. I clearly, you, Moonlight, is a professional impersonator. That's right. A a, a real Rich Hall. (laughs) Uh, I think you're Bill Murray. Rich Hall. But they're both good.
0: Did you say Rich Hall? Rich, no. Rich, Rich Little. Who did the. Rich Little was next Who's Rich Hall. I think he was like on SNL like years ago. Was he
1: Sniglets? Mm. Do you know Sniglets? No. Oh, my goodness. Sniglets was a series of books. So Sniglet was the name he gave, I believe, to, at the end of a shoelace, that little hardened piece. So it was names for things that don't have names but need names. This was the kind of wholesome humor we had to look forward to way back when. So I remember one of them was Cheegle, and that's the Cheeto dust you get on your hands after eating Cheetos. Um, Cheerio magnetism was the way... They aren't all about food, but they, that's what, those are the ones that I remember. Yeah. Cheerio magnetism was the way the Cheerios cling to each other. The last remaining Cheerios cling to each other in a bowl. Okay. Uh, Wondrouside was when you spread butter on cold bread, the way it like rips apart the bread.
0: Oh, okay. All right, all right. Uh, another one was. Courtney Love lived in my dad's neighborhood and she broke into his house once while he was on vacation and then called him on the phone from there, totally wasted to say, I love what you did with the kitchen. And he said, get the (laughs) F out of my house, Courtney. I love that.
1: And I also love your drunk Courtney Love impression. This one is also up
0: there with the others. Thank you. Thank you. And finally... Man, a man also should be sainted, actually. Um, Richard Simmons leaned out of a car once to shout at me about how lovely my dogs were. I was picking up the dog's poop, and at the time, he made a joke about it. Simmons said, We all have crap sometimes. It was very weird.
1: These are all amazing.
0: You know, I was once groped by Richard Simmons, and I'm very happy that it happened. Because, you know, when you're famous, they let you do it, <laughs> <They> Say say.
1: <laughs> no. Yeah, so I've heard. Uh,
0: obviously, I'm very pro-consent, but it was my body, and I was being very body neutral that day. Maybe even <laughs> feeling a little body positive. And I went to work out at Slimmon's, Richard Simmons' uh, place in Beverly Hills, and it was only like 12 bucks. So me and my friends, we dressed up uh, like kind of like 80s people. So I wore uh, like like a mesh yellow top like a football player would wear and it exposed like my belly, you know, and I was about mm-hmm. fifteen pounds lighter then. So, you know, it was all right, all right. And we were we were doing like this dance thing where they do like a like a soul train line where people get on each side and you like exercise your way through the middle. And Richard Simmons That's ran fun. ran up on me, dance with me, and then groped my midsection, kinda touched my back a bit. And uh, that was about it. And then uh, my wife was like, I'm totally fine with that. And I was like, it's Richard Simmons. <laughs> well, he's, you know? a real,
1: he's a real anti-Keanu in that he touched you. Uh, there's a lot to take in here. <laughs> so I don't even think, I, I didn't know about Slimmons, his facility. Maybe I did or I didn't. I don't know. When was this? Uh, and he, was he always there? It's
0: maybe like six years ago or something. Yeah, he was there. This that is right, recently. right before the Great Disappearance. I think, uh, maybe a little bit longer, maybe like seven or eight. And, um, you just, you pay 12 bucks and you work out, you sweat to the oldies and he just is awesome. Like he berates people. Uh, this is very body negative. Actually, if you get into it, like he's like, bend down there and get that donut. And it's just hilarious. But then the people there that worked out with him, like his lifers, like they loved him like nothing it was it was a really kind of just heartwarming experience actually i i'd I'd love to go back if if he's back there doing i don't think he is but um
1: and did you and your friends go because you loved richard simmons or because you wanted an affordable workout or all of it (laughs)
0: yeah i need an affordable workout so i went to beverly hills no i uh no it was just like someone's like you know, you could go and like work out with Richard Simmons. And it was just like, when, when are we going? That's like, let's just do it. Like, that's, <laughs> why would I that's not? amazing, yeah. You know, I should go there every week, you know, if it was closer. But yeah, I, I loved it. Right. And uh, I have some really incriminating photos of the day.
1: I need to see these. Uh, you know, I love this story. And I've been racking my brain thinking, do I have any weird celebrity encounters I I feel like I do, and I just can't think of them. I know that I was at a party after whatever, whichever Batman had Val Kilmer in it. There was a party at the House of Blues, and I think oh. it was because I covered music for for years, and I think it was something like to launch the album. But Val Kilmer was there, and I saw him walking around with toilet paper on his... I'm a huge Val Kilmer fan, but I did see him walking around with toilet paper on his shoe. But I don't think that this is even... doesn't even nearly rise to the level of these other stories. I'm embarrassed that I even shared it.
0: (laughs) Actually, somebody who should be canonized, Val Kilmer, if you saw the recent documentary on him, which is great. Uh, I had a weird one where in a past career, I was writing uh, radio ads for a living and working for an ad agency. And so we'd have a lot of celebrity endorsement people. And so we had one, and I was very proud of myself, and this was like an ad campaign for a paint company. And, you know, it's hard to make paint interesting. So we, uh, we got, we got uh, Burt Reynolds to endorse the product. Oh, wow. Now, this was Burt towards the end. And so I was just over the moon, because when I was little, it was like Burt Reynolds and John Travolta were the two hottest you know stars ever. And, you know, Burt yeah. Reynolds, come on. Smoking the bandit, you know, and so we me and the guys from work were totally hyped, and we're at the studio and Burt Reynolds shows up, but he showed up like not in good shape, you know he was just he' was just really old, and um mm. we got to the point where we wanted to start recording, and you know he was reading the ads, you know, and it was my brilliant copy,
1: <laughs> your pristine words my
0: pristine words, I don't want altered by uh the likes of him. now, And then he starts reading it, and we, we just think he's like going over it with himself. He's just like, there's Rhino Shield paint. Like and then we're like, okay, we're ready to record now. And he's like, I am recording. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we're like, this is going to be a long day. And so the poor guy, like, he could barely see. So I had to take like a Sharpie and write like three sentences on an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. Like, rhino shield you know tough and lasts forever just like me you know and (laughs) he had this that's my norm mcdonald doing burt reynolds you like that does that work no
1: oh yeah no i got got all of it yeah so again it's why it's why you're america's answer to rich hall or rich little that's
0: right it's time to rate your week have something great happen this week that you just have to share with the world Tell us about it by emailing us at upworthyweekly at upworthy.com. On this show going forward, we're going to have a quick little segment uh, between Allison and I where we go over. We rate our week one through five to decide whether um, we had a good week or a bad week. And we want you the Upworthy Weekly listener to uh, send us over. Tell us about your week if something great happened, something memorable, maybe something terrible, and you just want us to, you know, give you a little something to get through the week. Any Anything that is completely compelling, Upworthy Weekly at Upworthy.com. Send it over and we'll read it on the show. So now I'd like to ask Allison Rosen, on a scale of one to five, one being terrible and five being amazing, how was your week?
1: I'm going to give my week... I am teetering between 3.5 and I don't even know if we're doing half points, but we are now 3.5 and four. It's mm. closer to 3.5. I had a, it was a, it was a pretty good week. We had Halloween. That was fun. Um, I, in the very positive column, I took, I have a four year old and a two year old. Uh, and I took my four year old to the movies. This was the very first time he's ever gone to the movies oh. and we have been very COVID safe. Uh, well, First of all, it's a question of like when are they old enough to to sit through a whole movie and to appreciate it. But then also I've been a little bit uncomfortable about going to a theater. So uh, we chose a daytime unpopular movie and there was like no one else there. Uh, And we went to the Addams Family, too, because he he got marketed to like he's very (laughs) he's (laughs) he is very all about. Adam's Family too, and the soundtrack, and the characters, um, so I knew that he would, would really want to see this movie, and turns out not many other people want to see this movie right now. So we went to the movies for the first time, and that was just, it was really nice to get out, oh, and yeah. also, you know, so we get, we get there, and we're the only people in the theater, and I am like, oh my God, this is amazing, not only because of... COVID times, but just also, we have a private screening. When do you ever get that? This is amazing. Uh, and then he said to me, are other people going to come? I hope we're not the only ones here. <laughs> and it was just a reminder of how being a grown-up clouds the way you think about things, or maybe crystallizes the way you think about things. But it's it really is an adult thing to like... I don't like people. I don't want to be around them. I don't want to be in a crowd, etc. cetera. A, 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 a pure four-year-old, to him, it's a bummer to be the only human somewhere. So that was just interesting to think about that. So that's my positive stuff. And then, and by the way, you said real fast. And I said, <laughs> this is not going to be real fast. Um,
0: my, my, my week mom, just got worse, uh, you know.
1: <laughs> I thought you just removed a point. Yeah. Uh, my mom, she's fine, but she fell down in oh. a parking lot. Um, she's she is fine. She's a little banged up, but she's fine. But I, you know that that took away a point because of course I am uh, worried about her. But she, but again, she is fine.
0: Okay, good. Well, we're, we're pulling for your mom. So, are you a better person than you were at the start of the week?
1: Uh, a friend of mine sent me a book called "How to Break Up with Your Phone."
0: Oh, uh, I
1: have a real phone addiction ah. and it's it's very bad. It's gotten worse in the pandemic. So because I have this book and I intend on reading it. Yes, I am a better person.
0: Just just the, notion. I, have the
1: po- I have the potential to be.
0: Well, the, as the Taoists say, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step.
1: Todd, how was your week? On a scale of one to five, one being terrible, five being amazing.
0: You know, I'm get. i going to say, I'm going to give it a four. Uh, It would have been a five because um, we finally get to launch this show, which we've been working on, talking about, which has been a thing since, I don't know, March. I think you might have even heard about it as an idea before I even talked to you about it. Maybe. I Mm -hmm. think there was a leak after a conversation I had that I didn't know was going to be leaked. Yeah.
1: Let's just say it was not airtight
0: I, you know I think it was kind of like in sixth grade when somebody like passes a little note around the class, yes. and we as adults in our forties we uh we, we did that right. uh through a through a conduit notice the superfan like t- to do a podcast with Todd, yes no. <laughs> So yeah, it was it would have been a five, but then it was downgraded as a four because I was called out in public uh this week while I was at a concert, first time back to the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, accidentally not knowing cut somebody in line at the beer line at the Dead and Company concert, uh at the Hollywood Bowl and a woman berated me in front of totally bad vibed to me at the Dead Show and um I was like Harsh your mouth Oh my dude she was a total vibe harsher, but I accidentally (laughs) wandered into the line at the wrong point. And so it, it almost threw off my whole vibe at the show. I couldn't see, you know, couldn't feel John Mayer impersonating Jerry Garcia. Uh, but, and then, like, at night, it got me in the middle of the night. I woke up to like, get a glass of water, and I'm like, oh, my God, that woman thinks that I was lying about not knowing I cut in line. But really, if he, if I drew a schematics of the situation, you could see how just a normal, intoxicated human being would walk right in and cut in front of everybody in that line.
1: I find it endearing that you're still thinking about it. By the way, I'm the exact same way, so I don't know why I'm saying this as if I'm some other, like, more evolved person who lets things go because I don't at all. But I, yes, that you're considering drawing up a schematic so that we understand more fully. This is the kind, again, if I feel like I have bumped someone out or done something wrong, it eats away at me too. Yes. However, this is the kind of stuff that happens at concerts all the time. So I think she should just take a chill pill. I, I think you d- it, w- your your heart was in the right place. You didn't mean to do it. My,
0: my heart was in the right place, but my butt wasn't. Is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that um, I think that we should like make a pact with each other, knowing that I know that you are someone who's guilt ridden, and I am a guilt yes. guilt ridden human being. I am horribly guilt ridden. That maybe we just take it easy on each other if we could, and, and not guilt, and not do anything that would guilt the other person. I'm on board. You know, uh, you know, we're not going to do a thing where like six months down the road, I'm like, oh, you know what you did? And then I have a whole list right. of like ways that I've been wronged that you didn't know, you know?
1: So wait, we're not going to do a list? <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: I actually need that piece of paper that I just threw. So hang on one
0: second. <laughs> one moment. That's actually going to go on the list is uh, Allison just throwing away her show prep that I worked so hard on to get some of these ideas together. What does Allison do? She just chucks it all away like it wasn't (laughs) anything like I didn't get up early this morning just to make sure all the... Oh, you're back.
1: (sighs) Yeah. Todd, what about you? Are you a better person after this past week?
0: Well, I don't think I made any advancements like about being a p- better person, like like you have with deciding to cut down the time spent on your phone. Uh, but mm. I, d- I did have one way, which I think is a body neutral way of looking at something positive. Is I now this is this is uh, this isn't sexy, listeners. I had a problem with snoring, and what happens is. I didn't have a problem with snoring. My wife had a problem with my snoring. Because uh-huh. the funny thing is that when you snore, your nose is like six inches from your own ear, but you can't hear it. Your body yeah. like shuts off your ears or whatever. Uh, but my my poor, long-suffering Irish wife uh, was having to slap me in the head all the time, <laughs> having to cast me out to the front room to go sleep on the sectional. It really it became a problem. And then you get nervous. You're like... Well, if I fall asleep, I'm gonna snore, and then my wife's gonna get mad at me, and so then your your own head goes weird. Like the snorers, mm-hmm. you know, the snor snorers' pain is real, you know, and so. But then I thought maybe it's just like an old I'm getting older thing. Like I maybe it's something that I just can't fix. Maybe I'm just screwed, and we're gonna have to do an add on, or I'm gonna sleep out here in the studio, and so. But you know what? <laughs> I decided I should do something about it, so I saw an ENT. And I found out that oh, it, good. it wasn't that I'm like some old creep is that actually I'd like terribly inflamed sinuses and was actually like miserable sinus wise. They gave me some medicine and it fixed it.
1: So Todd. Yes, Alice, Formerly, formerly snoring Todd. Um, Really sweet, heartwarming story about a pair of dogs in England who may have saved their owner's life. Uh, It's by a Todd Perry. Oh. And it ran on Thursday. So you might might be familiar with this story, given that you share a name with the person who wrote it. So a 71-year-old man went for a walk with his golden retriever and his Labrador when he lost consciousness and collapsed. The dogs split up into a rescue team. The Labrador ran down the hill and got the attention of a woman who came up the hill with with the labrador he led her to the to the the his owner who had collapsed and she called 999 which is you know emergency services in England for an ambulance and meanwhile the golden retriever stayed right by the man's side the whole time and you Todd <clears throat> yes make the point that uh the, the dogs are these two dogs are kind of perfectly Uh, geared toward this kind of rescue mission because Labradors are one of the smartest breeds. The Labrador was able to go down the hill and get this woman. And then golden retrievers are one of the most loyal. So the golden retriever was seated right by the man. This story makes me so happy. And also the pictures of these pups. I mean, they are two, they are such good boys it's so sweet, but it does make me look at my own adorable Wendy who snores and think, <laughs> I don't think she would do either of these things. Oh, yeah. She's not task-oriented. She's just, she exists to be cute.
0: Yeah, my overweight Jack Russell terrorist uh, would have just bailed any moment. Or, he, you know what he would have done? He would have started eating my face. <laughs> Yeah, like those guys always find like they died and for two weeks the dog feasted off their body. My dog would have started in the moment I lost consciousness. It wouldn't even been like he's dead. He'd be like, oh, is that an ear? <laughs> so
1: sweet, though.
0: Yes. I've got I've got a positive one to, to end on here. Okay. And this is by uh, Annie Renault, the fantastic Annie that's just one of the most wonderful people that uh, is one of our writers here. It says, man returns to the ICU where he almost died of COVID-19 to apologize to healthcare workers. According to KOMO News, Richard Solis hadn't known anyone who had gotten sick from the coronavirus. he had also fallen prey to misinformation on social media about the vaccine, so he had chosen not to get vaxxed. Then he fell ill, spiked a fever, and found it difficult to breathe. That's when I knew I was in a bad situation," Solis said. "That's when I knew, hey, this is COVID, man. <laughs> I contracted the virus. I like that. Oh <laughs> man, it's COVID. You know. Uh, he ended up spending 28 days in the hospital. Was put on a ventilator and a heart monitor, but he pulled away. He pulled. He pulled out of it. And uh, he did something that few unvaccinated COVID nineteen survivors do. He went back to the hospital to thank the medical team that treated him and apologized for not getting vaccinated. I was literally on my deathbed and hanging from a string, and doctors and nurses tended to me as perfect strangers, he said to CNN. I just had to say something. That's much better than if it was the guy that went through all that and then came back and said, I'm still not getting your stinking vaccine, you know?
1: Right. Um, I still think COVID is a hoax. This story, you know those, um, those accounts that post videos that are very visually satisfying, like someone peeling an apple all in... In one, uh, att- one, one like piece of apple peel or like slicing, uh, th- I don't know. Like there's these satisfying videos that you just visually, you they're, they're very, they're like soothing. This is a very, this is the emotional equivalent of that. Um, that he was mistaken, and ex- and experienced something, and it made him change his mind, and then he went back to the people impacted by, you know. It, it, well, he was obviously impacted in his family, but I mean, back to the people who are like trying to convince uh, people to get the vaccine and that COVID is real. And he said, you know what? I was wrong. I believe you now. Like, yes. Thank you.
0: Yes. It, it, it took all that, you know, but it's all I'm sure, you know, the healthcare workers, you know, they've got to be out of their minds when people come in and they're like, this was preventable not only the right. human tragedy so but frustrating. but also the fact that these people still have to work their butts off um right. tending to people and i assume that on some level you get a little bit of animosity when you find that it was totally preventable
1: i was just going to say i think healthcare workers are dealing with just an unprecedented level of burnout and trauma i mean oh. they have just we've all had a tough time you know in various in varying degrees these last couple of years but they are on the front lines of it. So to see people who to them are probably uh, prolonging the pandemic yeah, has got to be very tough.
0: Well, I'd like to thank everybody for listening to Upworthy Weekly, our first real episode. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Uh, it should be up on Google soon, you know, so you don't want to miss out on next week. And because this is our first show, I would like to personally thank everybody who helped make this happen um first of all we couldn't have done it without some of the folks at uh, upworthy that's naomi juliana kevin gabe lucia and uh eric for letting me have some time off from writing to work on this and uh of course the entire editorial team uh that writes this great content and uh max of course uh Nothing happens here without you. And uh, I'd like to thank Marley, who's the announcer on the show, and uh, Brian, who does her production work. And I'd like to thank Giovanni. you know what you did. <laughs> <laughs> Upworthy Weekly was produced by Todd Perry. Follow Upworthy on all socials at Upworthy. Allison is on Twitter at Allison Rosen. And
1: Todd at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Questions, comments, or to tell us about your amazing week, email us at Upworthyweekly at upworthy.com. I'm Marley Balin. Have a great week.